we had enough air miles to get to Hawaii. That was like why we went. I was like, please, Hawaii. <laughs> and he's told me after, he's like, you know, for me as a father, it was a risk to take you there. So I knew how much you would like it. And I knew that I could be like losing a daughter in a sense, you know, when I got mm. older. I feel like following like intuition is such an important part of life because you just don't know what path you're supposed to really be on. Like, I don't think you are smarter than intuition. I couldn't have planned my life the way it unfolded. And it totally broke down barriers of like things I thought I had opinions on. And I think finding your path is like letting go of what you think you no, feeling it is like a huge part to get where you actually want to go. That's Andrea Hanneman or Earthy Andy. And this is episode number 44 of the Proof Podcast. Hey, plant friends, hope you're well and enjoying your day wherever you are. It's great to be back here with you again for this latest episode of the Plant Proof Podcast. For new listeners, my name is Simon Hill. I am the creator of this show and plantproof.com where I post free information about plant-based nutrition, recipes, science, etc. So if you're looking to learn a little bit more about the plant-based lifestyle, check it out, plantproof.com. This week, I've been hanging out in the North Shore of Oahu, Hawaii, and it's been epic, awesome food, so much acai. Uh, there's been a big surf comp on, surf's been pumping. It's just an absolutely incredibly beautiful area, the beach, the landscape, everything about it. Highly recommend checking it out if you're planning to come to Hawaii. And I'll do a blog on on Hawaii when I get a chance and I'll list some of my favorite spots to eat across the islands that I have visited to to make your travels that little bit easier. One thing I will say that has disappointed me is the incredible amount of single-use plastic that I've seen in Hawaii, particularly smoothie bowls and acai bowls. So you may remember from episode one, Jake McKeon from coconutbowls.com, mate. You you need to come up here and get the cafes on board your amazing coconut bowls. Of all places, I think Hawaii should be setting a good example globally when it comes to reducing waste, to protecting our environment, to saving this beautiful planet. Of course, while visiting the North Shore, I caught up with today's guest, Andrea, or Earthy Andy, as she is known to her one million followers. And at the time of this recording, Andy was nine months pregnant, third child on the way. So it made sense to catch up and talk about her personal health journey, pregnancy, and get to know a little bit more about the life of one of social media's largest influences in the plant-based wellness and lifestyle space. We touch on everything from the foods she eats at home to parenting tips for raising conscious children to tips for shopping on a budget, and much, much more. It's an absolutely cracking conversation. We do go off on some tangents, but we straighten the boat back up here and there, and there are some really important take-home messages. Let's dive into it.
One of the best ways to track our health is to regularly get blood work done, so we can take a peek under the hood and get a feel for the state of our cardiometabolic and hormonal health. You can do this with your local doctor, or you can use a service like Inside Tracker. The nice thing about Inside Tracker is they make the process super convenient. You can organize their phlebotomist, a person who draws blood, to come to your house or office to do the blood draw. A few days later, your results show up in the Inside Tracker app, and they provide lifestyle recommendations based on whether a particular test is suboptimal, normal, or optimal. I've checked Inside Tracker's lifestyle recommendations, specifically the exercise and nutrition ones, and I can confidently say they are evidence based and in line with the information shared in both my book and on this show. They even added ApoB to their ultimate plan, based on recommendation from myself and others. It's also nice to have all of your lab results readily accessible in one mobile app, making it easy to pull up past results and see trends and patterns over time. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. To get started, go to insidetracker.com forward slash Simon for this exclusive offer. That's insidetracker.com forward slash Simon. If you're a long-time listener of this show, you'll be well aware of the scientific evidence that supports a high-fiber, plant-rich diet for good long-term health. And while I certainly believe in a food-first approach, there is a role for supplements to help optimize the intake of specific nutrients and address any nutritional gaps. Enter Emil. Emil is a plant-based wellness company with a series of products to help you optimize your plant-based diet. Two of my favorite products being the Essential 8 Multivitamin and the Optimal Omega Plus. The Essential 8 contains eight key nutrients that plant-based eaters often fall short in. And the Optimal Omega Plus contains a direct source of DHA and EPA omega-3s, same as in fish, but from algae. In fact, taking Optimal Omega Plus daily, which contains 750 milligrams of EPA and DHA, is equivalent to eating two to three pieces of fatty fish per week in line with the nutrition recommendations globally. To get your Essential 8 and Optimal Omega Plus, head to theproof.com forward slash friends and follow the link which will get you an extra 10% off your first order. That's theproof.com forward slash friends. Earthy Andy or Andy, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. Wow, straight into it. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. No worries. It's so good to to connect here in, in Hawaii, in Oahu. Is that, Oahu. Is that how we pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bit of a tongue twister, that one. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's great to, to connect in person. I've really enjoyed it. I've only been in Oahu for... 24 hours now, but I've had about three acai bowls. Oh, nice. <laughs> acai or acai? Jeez, we're, we're dealing with a few tongue twisters here. Yeah, depending who you talk to. One. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've had three acai bowls, watched the pro surfing competition this morning, which we were talking about before. So really enjoying it here. Do you live near nearby Sunset Beach where we are now? Yeah, I actually just took a scooter down the street to beat the traffic. And so I live probably 500 meters from you right now. Amazing. Yeah. We live really close to pipe, pipeline beach. Okay. Yeah. So when, when you guys go out for a surf, where, where do you normally head out to? Across the street from our house, which is like Rocky Point. So we live by Rocky. There's It's called Rocky Rights, Rocky Lefts, Gas Chambers, and then Pipe is 
pretty much the next most known beach. Beautiful. And the yeah. um, the young boys, are they out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Sure. Right amongst it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't keep those ones out of the water anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and you're nine months pregnant now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll excuse you if at any stage you need to have a break. <laughs> Thank you. Potentially very long podcast. Sounds like you've worked with pregnant women before. <laughs> well, my mum, my mum's a lactation consultant. Oh, and kidding. one of my best friends, his wife is pregnant now and they had a, a boy about a year and a half ago. So you got some a little insight. I got a little bit of insight, you know, <laughs> and, and and possibly that's gonna help me in today's discussion, no doubt. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> now I know the majority of listeners will have seen you on social media as Earthy Andy and the incredible lifestyle that you live with your family. You seem to live a very happy and conscious, very mindful life, a lot of outdoors, a lot about connecting with nature. And I want to to delve into what that's like, but before I'd love to talk about the journey and how you actually got there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Take us back. Where did you did you grow up here in in Hawaii, or where where were you born, and what was life like growing up? I grew up in Saskatchewan, which is in the middle of Canada. I was always a dream to move to Hawaii, a very far off, not attainable dream, <laughs> is what it felt like. But yeah, that's where I started, is in the middle of Canada. And life as a as a kid, were you part of sort of a, a typical family with you know standard? values and beliefs and diet and everything? My dad grew up a Mennonite. And so he and my mom, I think she was Catholic. And then they're both raised us Christian. And I have five brothers and a sister. Wow. Yeah. Big family. Yeah. Big family. Yeah. There's lots of land there. So Are you older or younger or where do you fit in? I'm the second youngest. Second youngest. Yeah. And so my oldest brother and my oldest sister are my half brother and sister. And my oldest brother was schizophrenic. Yeah, we grew up in Saskatchewan. And I mean, people might not look at Saskatchewan as a tourist destination, but we had an awesome childhood. Like, I think because my dad grew up a farmer as well. It was just, and my mom's side of the family, they're both immigrants, actually. So my dad's family's from Germany and her family's from Ireland. And so very traditional values that I got grown up with, like, sit down for dinner, you know, family time, pretty like, I don't know. Just routine, normal. Yeah. Yeah. Like you and have manners, yeah. you don't, you're punished. <laughs> yeah. You were, you, know? you, you, were, you were brought up well and brought up to have respect and, and all yeah. that stuff. What, like kids, kids from that area, what were, what were kids getting up to? Like, what did you do in your spare time? We spent all of our time outside, really, even in the winter. Like we were outside always. It was in the winter, which is like, a majority of the year, you're just bundled up and building forts and skating down the street. Like our winters are gnarly. Like it would get so cold. So you could sometimes skate with ice skates down the road wow. or down a hill near your house or. Like did kids get out and sort of skate around on like frozen lakes and stuff like you see in the movies? Oh, yeah. Like, totally. you know, ice hockey and stuff like that. Yeah. And then sometimes the ice cracks and your friends floating away on a piece <laughs> of ice. Like. <laughs> All that stuff. Yeah. It's totally different life in here for sure. Is is ice hockey one of the main sports? Like what were the yeah. main sports your brothers were interested in and what were you interested in? 
basketball was our big, like basketball is what surfing is to my husband's family. (laughs) (laughs) And so my parents got cable to like watch Michael Jordan. And (laughs) yeah, so I grew up playing a lot of sports, but basketball was what I played all through high school. They track and all those other things as well. But Very active. Yeah, always very active. And, you know, at, at some stage through your, I guess, secondary school, high school, did you start to think about what you wanted to do with your life? Like what, from a career point of view at that stage of your life, what did you sort of have your eyes set on? <laughs> I think the first thing I ever wanted to be was a farmer. And then I really wanted to be a garbage man. <laughs> Cause I just loved how they ride on the back of the truck when I was little. And then got a little bit more sophisticated. I wanted to be an anthropologist. I thought being a marine biologist would be really cool. And always wanted to be a mom. And so that was never a question. And then I went to school to become like a marketing psychologist. And then I got pregnant really young, like when I was just turned 20 and just married. And so this um, is with your eldest son now, who, what's his name again? Tama. Let's introduce the family just so that we, <laughs> the names that we go through. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So. So Tama is my now 10-year-old and Ira is now five. Yeah. And Ira is his younger brother. Yeah. Yeah. Ira. Yeah. And your husband's name is? Shem. Okay. So let's take one step back. How did you meet Shem? How did I meet Shem? That's in Hawaii. Ah, okay. So so he's from here? Yeah. His family's here. His dad's originally, his family's from Samoa and came here. Half of his brothers were born here. He has six brothers. So there's seven of them too. You guys got a big family. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so he was actually born in California and his parents moved back here when he was 16 or 17. So you met here. What took you from Canada to Hawaii in the first place? In the year Y2K, our family or just my brother, my youngest brother and I came to Hawaii with my parents and I didn't know a place like this existed. Like. It was the first time I touched the ocean and I was in love. Like I was in love with here and I just couldn't believe it existed. And I remember it after our trip, like it disappearing in the clouds, the island, and just thinking like, I'll never be a part of that ever again. Like it just seemed too good to be true, you know? And I cried. And then I used to go to school. This was when I was like 12, 13 years old. I used to go to school and just like along the snow banks and just look at the sun thinking like that's the same sun shining in Hawaii and there's life that still goes on there, but I'm not a part of it. And it kind of broke my heart, you know, and even though life was good for me back home too. And I just had that dream. And then one day my dad said, you know, you could go back. And I was just like, really? He's like, yeah, just if you get good enough grades and save your money, you can do whatever you want. And so it became a very real goal very early. And so I like would always, I just saved everything that I could and got as many jobs as I could. And this was like after high school. This is like when I was in, I was like 13 years old. Oh, wow. This is at 13. Mm-hmm. So you really had this this strong vision. Yeah. So early. Totally. Yeah, wow. And all my friends were like, oh, we'll go with you. Like, we'll do it, you know. And then when it came down to it, you know, I was the only one that was actually going to go. And the only way I could go and live here is if I went to school here because I'm 
not a citizen of America. And so I applied and I got denied and I was so bummed. Like it was devastating. Felt like my whole heart and everything was telling me to go, but it wasn't working outright, you know? So I had two days to basically apply to my university that was in my hometown and get accepted there and then do 30 credits, get over a B plus, and then apply again in a year, which was really frustrating, but I did it. So you had to sort of take a step back. Yeah. You had the resolve to to grit your teeth and, and have another go at it. Yeah. It took me a day to like process that because I was really like frustrated that that was my dad again. I was like, well, you have two days to decide. Like you just, it's going to take you another year and you have to do this to get in, you know? Is there somewhat of a lesson in that, that he was sort of teaching you to work hard, do you think? Yeah, totally. And here I thought I was working hard. You know, I had saved enough money, had these goals, and it just wasn't the path that I thought would happen, you know? So I spent a year, an extra year in Canada and got my 30 credits, got good enough grades. And then I actually called the school here asking like, have you ever had someone from Saskatchewan at your school? And they're like, no, where's that? And they kind of laughed. I'm like, I think you need one. Like I'm the, I'm the one, like you should tell. <laughs> and they laughed and they just said, okay, we'll keep a lookout for your name. And I got accepted. And, and this is like life when I moved here happened really fast. I met Shem right away almost. And so, yeah, I mean, that's how I got to Hawaii was just, following the dream. So when you, when you, when you got here, how old were you? I was 18. Okay. So you were 18 when you got here and you met him straight away. Yeah. I was 18, almost 19. Yeah. Crazy. And then how old were you when you had, is it Tama? Tama is how you pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you when you had Tama? Tama, I was 20. Oh no, I'd be 21 after we were married for one year. I didn't meet Shem right away, but within that year. Close enough. So were you sort of pinching yourself at this stage going, wow, like I knew I needed to be here, but like this is this is happening really fast, but it's just so amazing? That's kind of like the beauty of hindsight is like seeing why things happen the way they do. And looking back, even like spending that extra year, like I needed that extra year home and I learned so much and I had the best year ever with my friends that I grew up with in college and I learned how to study. Like I wasn't like a school person in high school, even that whole process. And then, yeah, coming out and how fast everything happened. It's like, there's a timing for everything, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. And through this, this period of your life, what was your health, fitness and diet like? So, uh, you know, when you were leaving Canada and, and when you arrived to Hawaii? At 13, I found out I was celiac. And before then I was just always really tired and had asthma and always on an inhaler. And, you know, I played sports, but it was always through like cramps and just had a real hard time with it. And so I made a lot of changes when I was around 14 years old and cut out like wheat, which solved a lot of my problems and also cut out sugar and stuff like that. And so I was feeling better, but I was always like, if I ate one wrong thing, my health flared up right away. Were, were you doing that as a like a 13 year old sort of by yourself on Google or were you seeing a health practitioner who was guiding you through that? I had a naturopath MD who helped me t- 
tell me what I needed to do. My dad, a few years prior to that, found out he was allergic to a lot of things and he had major health problems that caused us to like move out of the city because there was a refinery there and all this things that were hurting him. And so at that time, you would order gluten-free bread and it would be mailed to you. And it was and, a frozen and it was probably block. rock hard, right? <laughs> yeah, it was Gluten-free bread has come such a long way. It, it has come such a far away. And so, yeah, I had a lot of fun learning how to cook for my dad, which was like no eggs, no sugar, no wheat, and using things like amaranth and all these different flours that I found. It was like my way to like help him is so learn how that- to cook for him. At a, that sounds like at a pretty early age, you would have started to have connected, started to realize the connection between food and how we feel. Yeah. I was like the kid who went to like bed with encyclopedias and like recipe books, just wanting to learn like where food came from and how it affected you and what spice goes with what and how you make bread rise. And I'm just fascinated by it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, okay, so so you removed a few things from your diet and you found out you were celiac. When you moved to Hawaii, what was your diet like that? Was it just a sort of a continuation of the diet that you had in Canada, similar? Yeah, it was pretty much the same, minus like a lot because I was super poor. So I really lived off of trail mix and apples for a long time. <laughs> That's like... Doing it on a bit of a budget. Yeah. So at what point did you start to look at the animal products in your diet and changing your diet from where it was then? That would have been uh, this three years ago. And I don't know if it was just from getting married that I started to eat things that were slowly deteriorating my health. And, you know, I, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was partly having kids that changed other things as well. I know that changes your body, but I was just constantly living with like chronic pain and just finding it really hard to eat in the day because I didn't know how my body would react, whether I'd throw up or need to lay down because of some stabbing pain and just fatigue and just all sorts of elements that I began thinking were normal. And it wasn't until my dad actually told me like, you know, you should spend this entire year becoming an expert on you. Like just really figure out you once and for all because you shouldn't have to live like this. You know, I'd seen a lot, I started seeing a lot of specialists and just really putting the effort forward to figuring out what's going on. And a lot of these answers came back with a medication option. And for me, I thought, okay, if you fix this, but you're going to have the side effects of that, that doesn't get me ahead either. And I didn't, I didn't want to like mask a problem. I wanted to fix the problem. And so those answers weren't good enough for me. And so I just kept researching a lot and been working with this one doctor in particular for four months. And I'd been eating pretty much plant-based, like 80% plant-based and with a little bit of animal protein. And she was surprised that I wasn't recovering faster. And she advised me not to go vegan because at this point I was playing with the idea, but wasn't sold on it. And what what had introduced you to that idea? Was it was it some other inspiration or like a book or documentary or like what what had sort of got you thinking? Okay, maybe I need to go one hundred percent vegan. 
Well, at first I thought veganism was something I would never try. I just didn't understand it. And I thought you needed animal protein to be healthy. But then I would start seeing it actually on like YouTube and social media, these, you know, these girls that were eating like all this like fruit and like, like saying vegan changed their lives and having so many of the same problems that I was having. And I actually had a hard time believing it at first. Cause at that time I couldn't have a bite of fruit without like my stomach just inflaming. Like I couldn't imagine eating a full banana, you know, that almost made me feel scared thinking about it, you know? And so I just started researching more and more and then just started feeling like maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, but wanted to really know the science and everything behind it before, you know, doing it. And so I watched a lot of documentaries and just spent like six months reading and getting really educated on it. And then it was like after a doctor's appointment of pretty disappointing news, like my blood work wasn't coming back good. and just felt like, gosh, I'm just going to have to live like this forever. And this was like after you were doing that 80%, 20%? Yeah. 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 That was the same night that I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this vegan thing for 30 days. And I don't care if it makes me sicker or what. Let's go all in. Sick. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm at rock bottom now and I just need to try. And some thought that came to me was from what I learned is like, most gentle on your body. And so like if, you know, vegetables take like 20 to 30 minutes to digest and same with fruits and like meat takes 18 to 24 hours to digest. That's so much more energy and work going into just the process of digestion alone for these other foods. So I thought my body is so sensitive and it just needs a break. Like I'm just going to eat as sensitive as possible. And so that I started to trust in. And then I had the other thought, like, I just need to trust in nature. Like there has to be a reason why there's this food on this planet. And I wanted, I need to trust that more than I need to trust any man's concoction of like energy bar or like powder or anything. I just need to take a step back and just go back to the roots. So it was whole foods. Yeah. You did this. Yep. Oh, completely. And so... That was the same night that I actually opened Earthy Andy. And I thought, okay, I'm going to journal for 30 days. And part of the reason I did that was because I was too shy or nervous to tell anyone I knew that I was changing my diet. Cause I'm the type of person that like, I don't want to re- be seem restrictive or like if we're at a party and someone offers something, I want to accept it. And I just figured if I told people I was vegan, it would kind of isolate me. And so I figured I'm going to journal. Which I think is a, that's, that's like a really common fear that people yeah. have, right? Yeah. And it's very real to me too. And so I just thought, okay, I'm going to journal and I'm going to learn. I'm going to try to get inspired by other people and figure this out and not tell anyone I know and see how long I can go without anyone noticing. See how long you go until you have a million followers <laughs> <laughs> and then try to hide it. <laughs> Yeah, it was actually took like a month for my husband to notice. (laughs) Yeah, so I'd gotten through like Easter and, you know, like the whole ham and turkey and butter and mashed potatoes and pie. And I thought like, okay, this is my first real challenge of seeing if anyone notices and no one did. And then I just realized that people don't really care what you're eating. Like they're choosing what's on their plate and you choose what's on your plate. 
And that's really what it comes down to. And so going that long and realizing it didn't change my life at all gave me a lot of confidence in like, this is doable and this isn't isolating. It's just literally what I want versus what they want. And that's doesn't change anything, (laughs) you know? And so that's where it all started was, was that day or that night that the journey started. And and that 30 days, was that a, like a a really fruit focused diet or what what were some of the foods that you were eating? I really wanting to focus on food combining because food combining for a sensitive stomach makes a big difference and something that I'd read a lot about, but figured like at the time I thought, okay, I'm eating healthy enough to worry about like the order it's in. Like this is getting annoying. <laughs> so what, what, what were some of the things you were doing? Like give us a few examples. So the closest you could relate it to is the raw till four. At the time I was still feeling that fruit was an overdose for me. And so I ate a lot more vegetables than maybe a raw till four diet would um, consider doing. And so basically, but I would eat my first two meals of the day raw. And so I usually had like a big salad or some kind of green smoothie with maybe some extra fruit. And then for dinner, I would eat something like potato with a big salad and, you know, pretty simple, pretty bland food for the first 30 days as I like really give my body a chance to detox. And Do you ever go back and look at the 30 days of journaling and and what was your experience like? Like, was it, did you experience any negative effects at all at the start and then it went positive or what happened over that 30 days? Oh yeah. I'm so glad I said 30 days because if I didn't, I would have never made it through the first 30 days. Cause you feel, at least I did, I felt a lot worse before I felt better. And I'd read that there's detox symptoms. And so I invited those feelings of. It's like a withdrawal, like a withdrawal symptom, right? Yeah. Like I felt like my eyes went kind of yellow. My skin broke out. I had headaches. I never get headaches. Like I felt more bloated. Yeah. And so I was like, gosh, I really hope there's like a light at the end of this tunnel. And it was at the end of like the three or four weeks that I started to feel the like positive effects of food in my body after I ate. Like I remember feeling after I ate like energy entering my blood, like I could feel it. And I was started to feel like this vibrance. And it was like, I never felt that before. Like I never felt like good before. I've just felt normal before. and then that became really motivating and realized like my stomach went flat, you know, my headaches, my skin, like everything started to change. And then people started to notice like, wow, you look really like happy and healthy. Like, what are you doing? Like that kind of question was happening all the time. That's always reinforcing that you're on the right track, right? Totally. (laughs) And at this point I had not told anyone that I was doing anything different. Yeah. So they're not just saying it because they know that you're yeah. trying something. That's, that's, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, totally. And so that's when I became more confident in what I was doing. And, you know, if you go back to the beginning of my Instagram, it kind of like, I'm, whether it's in the comments or in the caption, I'm kind of documenting how I, what I ate every day and how I felt every day. And so you've kept all those original posts. Yeah, they're all there. Usually I wrote it somewhere in the comments if it was like at the end of the day, like, okay, like today, like whatever. 
you know? So So you get to the end of the 30 days and you feel like you've you've had a good experience. You're feeling these positive changes, energy, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What did what did Shem think? Did you say to him, like, oh, this this is I'm I'm going for another 30 days or this is this is it. I'm gonna I'm just gonna <laughs> plant based. And was he what was his, you know, support and feedback like at that stage? So at like three and a half, four weeks of being vegan, we were on a date and he ordered me like one of my favorite dishes, which was like this calamari that was gluten-free and and when I'd gone to the bathroom and then he, I came back and I was like, he's like, I got you like your favorite dish. And I was like, oh, thanks. I'm like, actually, I'm not going to eat it. And he's like, why? I'm like, I'm a, well, I'm a vegan. <laughs> I'm a vegan. I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. I haven't, I haven't seen my Instagram. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what? No, you're not. He's like, there's no way that you're a vegan. Like, So that was like the first time that you said, I'm a, I'm a vegan. <laughs> yeah. I'm a vegan, Shem. <laughs> And he was like, no way. I'm like, no, I really have. I've actually been doing it for three weeks. Like you just haven't noticed. <laughs> did he, it, did his jaw drop? Like <laughs> what was his reaction? Yeah. I mean, he was, he wasn't really around that much. Like he was working a lot. And so it wasn't really that hard to hide it from him yeah, or yeah, for yeah, him yeah. not to notice. But yeah. And then I was just telling him like, I don't know, but I feel really good. And I don't want to stop because this is the first thing that's working for me. And he's like, I can tell like, that's awesome. And so he was supportive. He's like, whatever's working for you, like totally do it, you know? Yeah, that's where he first. And then like a week or two later, he like picked up my phone and it was on my Instagram and it said Earthy Andy. <laughs> and he's like, Earthy Andy, what is this? And I was like, give it back. I don't want you to look at it or see it until like my full 30 days. Is up. <laughs> he's like, 30 days, what are you talking about? And then- I just, yeah, I didn't want anyone I actually knew to know because I didn't want it to alter like anything I did. Yeah, I didn't want to feel like, like those thoughts of like, what will this person think if I'm being like transparent, you know, like, I don't want to tell my yeah. neighbor I have like stomach aches and stuff like that. Like I just, yeah, you know, will kind they, of a will private they, person. Will perception <laughs> of you change and, you know, will they judge and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. I think I'm just a little bit shy and. Yeah. At the time, I think that's really normal. I think most most people who go on such a huge transformational journey like that, like that's a big thing mm-hmm. to to be talking about, and mm-hmm. it, it is very private. So, were were random people though that you didn't know connecting with you, and like were they finding your posts from like certain hashtags, and were you a little bit shocked that there was like people out there that were interested? Well, I was the one that was interested. I felt like I was following people that I felt like. I could learn recipes from you or you have really good information that I'm learning. And, you know, so it was very like, this is for me, you know, like I'm trying to learn here. And if you think back to then, who were some of your biggest inspirations that were maybe already on social media or on Instagram or YouTube? It was, it was such a variety. Like I really appreciated the person who had 10 followers that was doing it in their story next to the doctor next to, you know, someone that's more Instagram famous or whatever. So you're just like searching hashtags and finding whatever. Yeah. I would literally put in like vegan or Rotel 4 or, you know, like plant-based and just try to find, you know, different people that were doing it. I think Loni Jane was one of the bigger 
accounts that freely girl was a been on ago. Yeah. Big ad- advocate. And I learned a lot from like all sorts of people. It took me like, like the science, like the, the different documentaries to really sell me on it and to hear like these people's experiences. Like I needed to hear like so many different experiences for me to be like, okay, like I, I feel confident realness in this, you know? And got more confident in it. And then, yeah, looking back on the stuff, like at my first post or one of my first posts was like, I guess I'm a vegan. And it was this Costco like grocery cart full of like vegetables and other food and all wrapped in plastic <laughs> and everything like that. And I think like it started for plant, like to for my health. But now like looking at it, it's become so much more than my own. Right up. Yeah. yeah. These other pillars that you start to get connected to. Fully. And I want to actually- go into those. Yeah. But before before we jump off this topic of food, mm-hmm. so this was about three or so years ago. So both of your sons were already born, right? Mm-hmm. So what was it like? And they, do they eat a plant-based diet now? Yeah. 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 So – Presumably their foods also changed. And at what point did you go, okay, now I need to not only learn about food for myself, mm-hmm. but I need to actually learn about food for my family. Mm-hmm. So before I went plant-based, I felt like I was feeding us healthy food and felt that was really important, you know, and I felt like that was really connected to even like child behavior and, you know, their mood and energy and everything else like that, like that connection of healthy food and making parenting easier and a child happier already existed. But um, my kids had things like eczema, asthma, and, you know, would often get sick and things like that. And what sort of foods were they eating? Just paint a picture of um, their, their sort of typical day of eating before you changed anything. I guess it would just be like, I would try to have like sit down meals and like, um, but there would be some kind of animal protein, cheese, you know. You know, it might be like chicken rice and salad or broccoli. But those vegetables and oh, I'm not sort of picturing a standard American like overly processed diet. No, no. I mean, like before I changed and part of what I thought was healthy was like Crystal Light or like Diet Coke. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's definitely things that are not healthy to anyone that at the time thought were like, oh, this is a better choice. You know, it's like a different standard that you start creating for yourself. But my kids, no, they didn't drink soda or eat like, I didn't buy much processed food for the most part. And so I don't know, like, you know, spaghetti or ice cream and things like that. Yeah. Like ice cream. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you've tuned into the many episodes I've done focusing on cardiovascular disease, the leading cause of death globally, you'll be well aware that ApoB is a better biomarker for measuring our risk of having a heart attack or stroke than LDL cholesterol. The only problem is that not every pathology lab is set up to test ApoB levels. Fortunately, this has now been made easier by Inside Tracker, a leading health and wellness company founded in 2009 by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, MIT, and Tufts that provides lifestyle advice based on your blood test results. With the new edition of ApoB, Inside Tracker's ultimate plan now analyzes 44 biomarkers, including metabolic health markers like HbA1c, triglycerides, and blood glucose, 
important nutrients like vitamin D and iron, as well as hormones like cortisol, sex hormone binding globulin, free testosterone, and total testosterone, before giving you science-backed lifestyle advice to optimize your health and longevity. Your data tells the story of your health. With Inside Tracker, get to know your story and create a lifestyle that delivers better health for longer. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. To get started and redeem this offer, go to insidetracker.com forward slash Simon. That's insidetracker.com forward slash Simon. Hey friends, the scientific evidence on lifestyle habits that lead to longevity is clear. Now it's time to put this knowledge into action. I'm excited to announce the Living Proof Longevity Challenge, a 12-week program to build evidence-based lifestyle habits to optimize longevity. My team and I have transformed over hundreds of hours of conversations with experts on aging, nutrition, and exercise into a life-changing 12-week program that will challenge you to develop habits that lead to a longer, better life. This is a unique opportunity to gather health data about yourself that has the potential to change your life for the better. You'll start by testing 10 longevity biomarkers that tell the truth about where your longevity stands right now, today. Following that, you'll get a personalized longevity score to guide your 12 weeks of habit building that will boost your score and improve your biomarkers for the better. After the challenge, you'll retest your 10 biomarkers and see the proof of how powerful these science-backed habits really are. Head over to theproof.com forward slash living proof to download your zero cost copy of the Living Proof Longevity Challenge today. That's theproof.com forward slash living proof. Look forward to joining you on this journey. At what stage did you start to, to look at food and nutrition from your family's perspective and not just your own? So you, you'd made these changes in your, your diet. You were doing sort of a a raw till four or something close to that. Mm -hmm. Did you have to go and then read or or watch or speak to people about, okay, what's important for my kids? They're young, they're growing. What what do I need to think about? It really just came down to at first I was changing for me and I wasn't going to worry about changing anyone else because I didn't have confidence in it yet and didn't know the effects of it. And then it's like, I'm the one doing the grocery shopping and I'm not going to cook two meals anymore. And if this is working really good for me, like how could more living foods not benefit my children? And so I just became, I just started to cook for me and them the way that I thought was good for us to eat, you know? And so it took some like time before they like accepted it. It's not like overnight. They're like, Ooh, they were like, were they pretty fussy? At the start? Yeah, I think like just like adults, like you think you know what you like and don't like. And it's really about what you're used to. And they were not used to a lot of these things that I was now introducing. And so I just kind of took the approach, like I'm just going to keep having it show up on their plate. And we had a rule, you don't have to like it, but you have to try it. And so I feel like after like seven times of trying something, it's like it became normal and then they liked it. And then, you know, there's so many tricks that you can do to make food fun for kids that are, that work. But that was like the standard rule that they knew, like trying avocado or spaghetti squash or tomatoes or whatever for the first time. Like it's not going to happen overnight, you know? 
just whatever becomes on their plate regularly, just like whatever the else they used to eat, that's what they're familiar with. And so that's what they're going to eat. So what would a, a typical day for the boys look like now in terms of what they would eat? What they would eat usually in the morning, like oatmeal or a smoothie, super standard. Some of those smoothies that you guys make, <laughs> like mouthwatering. I saw some sort of pumpkin pie shake the other day and I was shaking my head going, <laughs> I need You're that. You have to come over before you leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that um, smoothies in general are just a really simple, fast, easy way to get in like a lot of nutrients. Mm. You know, you can't usually get a kid to pound a popcorn bowl size salad, but you could get that many vegetables in them in a smoothie. So, so that's one of those ways that you alluded to before about sort of sneaking things in. Oh yeah, for sure. Like before they liked beets, you know, throw a beet in a smoothie and they don't know they're eating it Mm. or kale and, you know, different things like celery and all that kind of stuff. Just and avocado in smoothie with like cacao and it tastes like a chocolate mousse. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite things is tricking my kids and like, actually, this is what you're eating. And they're like, what? Um, Maybe I'll do like that now. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, I used to hide their smoothies in like a container that they couldn't see, like a hydro flask or something, because they were scared of the color green at first, you know, like green or brown looking smoothies. Like, no, I don't want it, you know, but if it was hidden, they would eat it and like, oh, this is good. I'm like, oh, really? It was good. You just drank all of it, you know, I'm like, this is what was in it. And they're like, what? I don't like it anymore. I'm like, yeah, you did. Like you just finished it. And so then I'd show them the color and they get more used to it. Yeah. And that, I guess, encourages them to be open to the idea of trying something that they might look at and think, Mm -hmm. right? Totally. Yeah. And so for lunch and dinner, what sort of foods would they eat? Um, We eat like a lot of like Mexican inspired and Mediterranean inspired foods. So we'll often do like tacos with like roasted potato, black bean, rice, avocado, like slaw with like a cilantro with cashew dressing or something like that. It's very common, at least a couple of times a week. We'll always almost make like a big pot of like good black beans and should make things like easy, like burrito taco style. And what what do the kids think about all those foods that you've just mentioned? They love it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. They didn't at first for sure, but yeah, they'll eat anything. And do they ever ask you like if you're, say you're making the the Mexican tacos, Mm -hmm. black beans, cashew dressing and whatnot, do they ever say, mom, can we have meat? Like is that that ever even a, a question? Not really. I think it's just what, it's just so normal now. And so if you go back in time, yeah, totally. And same with my husband. It was like, it wasn't a full meal or you didn't feel satisfied unless you had those things that you used to eat every day. And so nothing happened overnight and I didn't expect it to happen overnight. And so it just took time and it just became normal. So was there, was there like during that that time where maybe they were asking a little bit more, like was there compromises made or how did you get through that period where you sort of went from having meat or animal protein on the plate to not? Was it, was it, was it challenging? It wasn't challenging because I never forced it. It was just like, this is what's for dinner. Like there's nothing else here. So if you're not, if you don't want to be hungry, then eat it. You know, they're still young. It's not like they're 18 and can go drive to wherever they want. 
But also at the same time, like if they were at a friend's house or their grandma and grandpa's and they offer them something like, for me, it's, it's their choice. And for me, they're so young and this is all so new that it's, if they can learn to love food and respect food, know where it comes from, I think that it'll be a more lasting impression on them if they make the connection themselves instead of being forced. And so you know, I do, I did worry about that for a while. Like if I keep saying you can't, you can't, you can't your birthday party and you can't eat that. Like, are they going to resent it? And And, and maybe even rebel when they, when they, when they're old enough to, to make their own typical teenager, like I was. So, so was part of that educating them, I guess, you know, why you've removed these foods from their diet? Mm -hmm. Like what, and how did you approach that? Well, at first it was like a health thing, you know, and then like saying like, oh, if you eat too much sugar, like you're going to have bugs crawling around your teeth. Like that's, that's gross. You know, like I have boys. So anything that's like, ooh, you're gooey. Yeah. <laughs> you so know? you bring it down to their level. Totally. Yeah. And then just like, you know, like candies that are made with or marshmallows that are made with gelatin. Like, do you know what gelatin is? And like to explain to them, like, that's like a cow's hoof or, you know, and they're like, ew, that's disgusting. Or like just telling them in like a lighthearted way, you know, they just, they just don't want to do it after that. Like, oh, I didn't like cow's milk. Like my kids do not want to eat cow's milk. And before, if they went to a friend's house and they're out for cow's milk, they might drink it, but now they won't. And they've come to that on their own. Probably took longer for them to come to it on their own, but it's their own decision. And it's not because I can't because my mom said so. It's they understand and they don't want to as a result. And they've also come very um, connected to how they feel off of food. And so because their diets have become more clean, they feel the effects of like the other food more. And so once in a while, I feel like it's almost good to have that reminder. I feel like I'll never need it again. I'm so sick of the yo-yo. But as you know, you're a kid and you're growing and or for anyone that's changing, it's like you eat super good and you start feeling good and you feel like that's normal and to reintroduce something that you used to and to feel like the shutdown that can happen from that is like, you know, it's the motivation like, okay, there's, there's the health reason for this and there's like the environmental and ethical. Yeah. So sometimes like would they come home from like a friend's house and if they've had lots of processed food, they might be feeling a little, a little bit sort of down, down on energy or just feeling not as good. Yeah. I could see the difference for sure. And, and emotionally, can you see a difference? Oh, totally. Like totally emotional. Like my kids are like happy, epic little kids, but if they're like had a bunch of junk, they break down, you know, like I see such a relation that it's so motivating for me to feed them well, because they're just happier and it makes parenting funner like if they're happy and a lot easier so much easier. <laughs> so much easier <laughs> yeah totally so i know that you've mentioned on social media before that shem's family owns some burger restaurants when you went through your transition and changed your diet and the kids started eating what you were preparing at home how did that sort of impact i guess shem's own diet and you know, how, how does the extended family, I guess, who, who owns burger restaurants think about what you're doing online? Nothing happened overnight. 
but they really saw the difference it made in me and thought that was awesome. And the surprising thing that I learned when I was open about what I was going through is that you learn that a lot of people are going through something personally that they want answers to. And so they become interested for their own health reasons was the first thing. And so, you know, it was like family get togethers became predominantly like unhealthy in comparison, like potlucks and things like this. And they just started, you know, people became more health conscious in the family and seeing results for themselves, whether it was for their eczema or energy or whatever. Even his dad went vegan for like plant-based for like seven years, like randomly he'll taste something. And, but like the health and like relating health to food and lifestyle is like normal now. It's really cool. And it just kind of happened over time. And his parents have been like really cool about it. Like they, you know, like instead of feed my kids ice cream or something, I'd say, you know what my kids would love is if you guys gave them like their favorite fruit. Like they love papayas. Like they would love that too. And so they started like bringing papayas to the house instead of like a box of ice cream, you know, and just being like, thank you so much. Like that was awesome of you guys to bring that over. Like they love it. They just saw the change that happened in me and they became interested as well. And as a family, as far as like get togethers and all that kind of stuff, it just, it became like more health conscious and a lot more plant-based. And a lot of them have cut, if not meat completely out of their diets, definitely like a lot less. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. It's been and, really and cool. And they still own the, the restaurants? Yeah. And they, they serve salads and other things as well. But yeah, like we were talking about before, like for me, like there's things that I don't want to support anymore. And for Shem, he realized what he didn't want to support anymore, which was part of the reason why he, he didn't want to do that for like a lifetime living. That didn't happen at the same time as it happened for me. And it, I'm not saying it will or will not, but it could for someone else. It's just a matter of like time before things become apparent to people and what they want to support. Not forcing it. Yeah. You know, everyone's different and on their own journey. And so what they do, I'm not judging or anything like that. It's, it, but I see it as like little changes happening here and there. Yeah. And, it's, know, it's, it's a nice way it. to look at it that you can, you know, see those little steps for what they are instead mm-hmm. of just getting frustrated that why won't people change like me? And it's like sometimes we have to take that step back. Totally. Get greater perspective and realize that not everything happens overnight mm-hmm. and things happen at different paces for different people. Exactly. Totally. And even just like environmentally, as far as the restaurants go, like they went from styrofoam because that was the cheapest to paper, yeah. you know? And so there's like all these changes that like are happening. So yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Slowly you're, you're inspiring millions of people around the world, but clearly you're inspiring them to be a little bit more Maybe I'm a part well. of it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they're just, <laughs> they're an epic family. I'm super grateful for them. <laughs> Now I know you you personally have like a, a high carb sort of low fat plant based diet that you follow. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to myself. 
and what you know most of the doctors sort of recommend. Mm-hmm. Can you just run through high level what what your sort of principles are around that diet? My own personal principles. I really take into consideration food combining. I still think that I'm a pretty sensitive person. And so eating like cooked stuff before raw fruits, I just won't do unless I'm like prepared for a stomach ache, you know? So, you know, like melons first thing in the morning and I won't eat melons in the afternoon if I've, I've already eaten something cooked, you know? And so I always try to start my day raw. Lunchtime, I usually try to keep raw, maybe some like tortilla shells or, you know, if it's winter, I tend to like warmer foods like potato and soups and stuff, but I won't eat much fruit after that. And especially not in the next couple hours. For the majority of the time, if I want to feel my absolute best, I eat mostly raw in the day and cooked at night. And then, and how long sort of before you'd go to bed would your last meal be? I'm not like a standard to look up to for this. <laughs> I like love like nighttime snacks. So I know I would feel better if I didn't, but sometimes we like put the kids in bed and have like a snack or whatever. So, yeah. but yeah, if you want to have like a better sleep and want to feel your best, like a couple hours before would be, would be ideal for sure. <laughs> and in terms of the sort of quality of the produce, I'm guessing around here, you get amazing produce, but do you have any recommendations or tips for whether people, what certain vegetables and fruits people try and buy organic versus conventional and that sort of thing? For sure. I think anything without a thick peel, then you'd want to buy organic. You know, if you're eating like things like grapes or spinach and lettuce, like those things that can absorb any chemical or anything in their environment, you want to keep as organic as you can. And then anything like an apple that you can peel or an orange or banana, it's not as critical, but things like, yeah, berries, grapes, these things without a thick protective peel, you'd want to try to get organic if you can, for sure. And you mentioned before a budget, that was a different stage of your life, but just in general, I know that you would agree that like plant-based eating doesn't need to be super expensive. Do you have any tips for mothers who are maybe finding it expensive or maybe they're wanting to transition to a plant-based lifestyle with their family? Tips for not breaking the bank and actually making it affordable? I think the first thing to realize is that your health is worth it. And so whatever budget you have in your mind, that might change. I think another thing to realize is your health is this continuous journey that will affect your entire life and in the present and the future. And so if you keep yourself maintained and healthy now and you can avoid medications and doctor's appointments and everything else that comes from a diet that's not helping your health, then it becomes cheaper in that sense. It's an investment, right? It's an investment. But at the same time, like we do spend less than we used to on groceries. And how do you do that? Well, if you're buying cheese and meat and like all these different things to bake different things all the time, like especially in Hawaii, maybe, I don't know. It's super expensive. Why is this, this place is so expensive. It's expensive. Like it's, it's, I mean, I've been in LA and New York before here, which are also super expensive in Sydney, Mm -hmm. but I mean, the prices here are probably, I'd say a little bit more expensive than Sydney. Yeah. You shopping at food right up there, right up there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, where's Foodland? Is that Foodland? around here? Oh, you haven't been. No. That's good. Is that near here? 
Yeah. It's like um, two miles. That's super expensive, is it? I mean, it's like the safe way of the mainland. Okay. There's another place down to earth. Down to earth. Uh Yeah. You went there? I went there. Yeah. How's that? How's that go for pricing? It's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Whole Foods. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, in Hawaii, we have different, like if you lived here and you knew where to go, you can do it way cheaper. Yeah. You know. So what are some of these tips? Sorry, I cut you off. Um, to eat. Yeah, for just for just reducing the the overall cost of the shopping. Okay, so for where I found that I was saving money is I wasn't buying processed single serving snacks anymore, or drinks, or stopping at a gas station to get like snacks and food, processed food that doesn't fill you up. Stop buying meat, cheese, and like all these baking things. And so right there, I just cut out so many costs because I'm sticking to plant-based real foods that are filling and fulfilling and things like lentils, like beans, potatoes, like rice. These things are pennies in comparison to single serving snacks. And And I think a, a great word that you just said then was filling and that a lot of these single serve and these really highly processed foods, they have no fiber. Mm-hmm. So they're hyper palatable but you can just eat them and eat them and eat them. So you, you pay a lot for them mm-hmm. and they run out quickly. <laughs> yeah, fully. Yeah. And so I know a lot of people think, oh, if you eat plant-based, it's lettuce and you're always hungry, but there's definitely lots of foods that can be more sustaining, like those ones I mentioned and avocado and seeds and these things that can bulk up a meal, which for someone like, especially my boys, like, I've seen like what it takes to like sustain active little groms and a six foot four husband who surfs and is very active himself. It's a lot. If of they food. can do it, yeah, anyone can do it. So, yeah, I think just buying in bulk is a big thing. A lot of grocery stores will have like fruits and vegetables that they're just toss away. And um, so if you ask them, like, can I have the bananas that are too ripe to sell? Like they'll save them for you. People don't buy them here. They go to the pigs. Like I've seen it. Yeah. There's a, there's a term in Australia called, I think it's ugly, ugly vegetables. Ugly vegetables. And they have like a different section at some of the, the supermarkets and sell them for cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> just like a slightly different shape. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, like the standard to actually sell it in the store. But yeah, I think um, buying in season can make a big difference. You know, today we can buy any fruit and vegetable and from any place in the world. And if you're just buying more locally, a lot of times it's cheaper. Obviously, if you can grow your own stuff, that would be awesome. But most people can't or don't have the time. So buying in bulk is a huge one. Here in Hawaii, like, it's it's cool like how I mean we're just so spoiled with things that grow on the trees all year round so my neighbor might have too many banana trees and I might have an avocado tree and someone else might have a mango tree and so it's you know here's a bag of mangoes or like give and takes kind of thing like a lot of times you'll see on the side of the road like leave how much you can take whatever's there you know, yeah, so that's cool. one day it might be papayas and coconuts or avocados or breadfruit, whatever. But we've traveled around the world and it's a lot easier to do it in most places in the world than in Hawaii because there's markets 
everywhere, like everywhere we've ever gone, there's markets that are way cheaper, you know? And I think, gosh, if we lived here, it'd be so epic to like eat organic everything, you know, or having all like the local in-season produce so close. Here, you have to, you have to get creative for sure. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. it's nice that you said that because I think a lot of people would look at your social media and think, oh, it's, it's easy. That's, it's easy to do it over there in Hawaii. But in reality, that's how I feel about Australians. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> hey, we, yeah. Well, look, yeah. Australia, we, we are very, very lucky. Yeah. In Australia. For sure. Australians oh, and Europeans. <laughs> now, you mentioned the kids and the fact that they eat, you know, they, they eat a lot and they're growing and they're surfing. And they're so active. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a, have you had a sort of family doctor, that, you know, for the, for the boys over the, their life? Yeah. 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 And when you transitioned to a plant-based diet yourself and then did the same with the kids, like what, were the, what was the doctor's reaction? I know that some parents have different experiences with their mm-hmm. doctors. What was yours like? We honestly hardly ever go. And so... Yeah, they, I don't know. We don't usually go for like a, like a cold or something. Like they've been in the ER a lot. I mean, they've broken a few bones over the, <laughs> they're rough kids. So they know us better at the ER than they do. Like, but health-wise, health-wise, super healthy. Yeah. Usually if they get sick, it's like a cold that passes on its own. Yeah. My youngest got pneumonia once and that required going to the doctors. But besides that, that's like one of the, best things ever about, you know, like the health part is you're not sick anymore and you're not having to stop your life every month or because your kid is sick. Like they just get over it way faster and including like their asthma and their breathing problems and their eczema. Like it just doesn't exist. Has that changed? That's changed. It doesn't exist anymore. Wow. Like before Tama used to be on an, like advised to be on a nebulizer, which is something that helps you breathe almost every second weekend. and I, I can't remember the last time they've been sick. Like, yeah, they'll get a fever for like 24 hours and it passes. They sleep it off and, you know, but nothing that's like holding down your life. And it's a game changer. <laughs> it's motivating for sure. So they're thriving outside of their, the abundance of, of fruit, vegetables and other plants that they're eating. Do they take any supplements like vitamin B12 or anything else that they, that they supplement? Sometimes I give them a probiotic, like especially during like flu season or if I feel like they're coming down with something like we have like some Chinese remedies and herbs and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's mostly just their diet. And then, you know, we'll always make like a ginger, lemon, cayenne tea when they're sick, like, you know, like a homemade soup kind of thing. But once in a while, I'll use like a plant protein powder, mostly because it seems more sustaining a little bit and they like the flavor. And So you put that into this smoothie yeah. or smoothie bowl or something? It's mixed with like a probiotic. Yeah. And so probiotics make a big difference, especially when they have like, I've noticed it in their skin. If they had something come up in their skin, like if I give a probiotic, it goes away right away. Yeah, wow. Yeah. In Hawaii, you get a lot of skin, like different infantigo and stuff like that, that happens. And so you, you can see the results of like adding something like a probiotic right away. Speaking of smoothie bowls, what is the boys like absolute favorite smoothie bowl that you could make or that they could make themselves? Gosh, I wish they were here to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Probably the chunky monkey. 
Okay. Take us through the chunky monkey. It's like a banana, almond milk, peanut butter. And then we use cocoa Samoa, but you can use like cacao powder. And that's like the base of it. And then you just put like banana and granola. And if you want to get fancy, you can put like, you know, shredded cacao and macadamia and and (laughs) all that good stuff. Do you guys make your own almond milk or you buy almond milk from the store? Um, We do both, but we buy a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, as we mentioned before, you're pregnant at the moment, about Mm -hmm. nine months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not long now. (laughs) How's it all going? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. So you're, this is the first time you've obviously gone through a pregnancy completely plant-based. Was there mm-hmm. anything else that you had to consider or, or look into compared to your other pregnancies? I actually did a lot more research before this because I wanted to, you know, just be fully confident, you know, like you're, I'm okay making the decision for myself. And it was kind of like one of those times where I'm like, okay, I need to re-educate myself and just make sure this is the right thing. You know, there hasn't been anything different that I've done. I've Notice that I'm way more in tune with my body than I used to be. And so I can feel when I need more substance and fats and proteins, like I can feel it. And that's kind of what I'll start craving more, you know, like avocados, hemp seed, like sunflower seeds, like those types of things, like flaxseed oil on my salads, like these types of things that kind of give a little bit more like fats and omegas. Yeah, and a little bit more calorie dense as well. Calorie dense for sure. Even like beans and lentils and stuff, like normally without being pregnant, I can do really well on less of those things and I feel better. But during pregnancy, the fat intake and the protein intake is has like increased for sure. And with with your previous experience with the boys. Are you planning on like breast trying to breastfeed for a certain period? What's your what's your sort of thoughts around that? I don't know. I just kind of played off of what they want. Tama was like two years, Ira was <laughs> two years, and then they just kind of got more interested in food and you know, get to the point where they get weaned a little bit and just slowly but surely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I plan to do the same. Just kind of feel it out. Okay. So I'd love to jump into a few parenting questions. Okay. And I guess starting off a little bit around technology and social media. Firstly, I guess you your business and and you make your living through social media. So of course you can see the benefits as as can I. Do you set any sort of boundaries personally for yourself like to to stop sort of pointless scrolling and to be you know, more present in your real life away from social media? For sure. I find it really helpful to kind of have structure to it because it's now part of our living and a bit of a job as well. It didn't start out that way. It was definitely something that I just wanted to keep giving to and hope that it would help someone like it did me. That's why I did my website and everything. It's just, I was so grateful and so like, I was just overwhelmed at what a difference it made in my life that I just wanted to support it and be a support for anyone else. Cause it was just hit so home to me of what a difference it made. And I always want that to be the core of why I'm putting out what I'm putting out. And 
I would hope it comes across in a like a, you know, doable way and not a preachy way or anything like that, because who am I to tell someone to do? But I just want people to know, like, you can heal yourself through food and, you know, like lifestyles related to to how you're doing overall. And so I want to support it and I enjoy supporting it and I enjoy being creative and working with epic companies out there that support great messages and, you know, have resources for people to, that will, that will benefit them. But for my personal life, I wasn't expecting to be a full-time working mom or for my husband to stop his job and work together. Like I, I didn't think that was something that would happen but it has. So it's full time, like every day. Are you, are you working many hours a day on everything no, you're doing online? No, for me, it's like kids come first. They're only this young for so many years. And that is like 100% what I know will keep me happy and sane as if that is 100% priority and they have as much of my time as possible. That's just my own personal like desire what I want for me. And so I'm very protective of that. I just, I don't know. I read this book. It was like called four hour work week. And it basically just says like structure your day and cut out like the meaningless scrolling of like checking your email throughout the day and like, you know, checking up on things all the day, like kind of train people that work with you to fall into what works for you, you know? And so Like, I'm lucky that I can do that, you know, like I'm only going to look at my email once a day, you know, instead of like checking it, I'm only going to post and respond to people for this amount of time. And then it's gone for the rest of the day. And so a lot of times in the day, I don't have my phone with me or like social media isn't a part of my day. Like I might post a story or like, sometimes I won't, like sometimes I'll go days and not. There's just sometimes where you're feeling inspired to share or it's fun for you and it's not taking away from your day. And then sometimes where you feel like you just want to disconnect altogether. And so I think you just have to honor that for your level of whatever you're doing and just keep that balance, you know, like never, you know, I feel like no has been the best word and like communicator that I've learned is like, know what's important to you and protect that. Like tell everyone no that like is taking up time that you'd rather be doing something yeah. that means something to you. Because I can imagine as well, like being a mom is is a very full-time job in itself. Mm-hmm. And then if you're, if you're juggling between social media and all the demands of social media and then being a mom, you don't have any time where you can sort of quiet your own mind and find your yeah. own space which yeah. is like really important as well. Like how do you how do you sort of unwind and have Andy time? Before it was when my husband was still working at his other job and I was at home with the kids, like I just didn't really do jobs. Like I just told myself this isn't like something, it's competing with my time with my kids. And so for me, it wasn't worth it. Like no amount of money was worth it. And, you know, it was exciting to have opportunity, but it just... I knew what I was important to me. And so I just didn't do it when opportunities got bigger and it became like a avenue that would actually give a better balance to our overall life because my husband's job, it wasn't a good balance. Like he wasn't really around and 
working crazy hours. And I saw it as like a way for him to be home more with the kids. And it just became a time where it was like, okay, this is actually could be good for our family and we can do this together. And it actually create more time together. And so that's where like the shift kind of happened. When was that shift? Two years ago. Okay. So now Shem works, you work side by side. Yeah. And so any video we do, um, Shem is like, does most of the emails and back end of anything. And so I don't have to spend time like answering anything that does with like a contract, you know, because most of the time when you work with a company, it's through a contract and all this. And you're working thing. with some pretty big companies. Like I saw um, Citibank. Yeah. 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 Citibank. <laughs> who, who else have you been working with? Vitamix? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There's like any company, it's just he'll do the back end of it. And then we do the creative mostly together. And it's awesome because it really doesn't take away from our day. Like I'm never making food for a picture. Like I'll make it prettier for a picture, but we're going to eat it for breakfast. Like I never spend time creating a photo shoot. Like I just personally couldn't do it. A lot of people do a great job at that and maybe have the time for that. But everything we do is pretty like you take a picture and you put your camera down and you enjoy the rest of your moment, you know, like you're on a trip and maybe like, you know, we've worked for different travel bureaus and everything. And there's requirements to document like your experience. And so it's like, well, we need to experience it and have a good time. And then I might tell Shem like, okay, let's take a picture on this hike. You know, I think that would be a cool picture. And so no other pictures will be taken besides that one. Like, okay, yeah, we'll do that one. So it's not like, should we do this, that, this? It's like, you know, you might go out and eat and be like, wow, it's really pretty here. And this is such a cool concept of a mm. place. And we want to support it. Like, let's come back here and take a picture one morning. Yeah, that's cool. So you've structured it so you're not sort of overwhelmed. You're not drowning in this, this, no. this idea of constantly creating content for other people. No. I mean, no. Because it's just, I, I mean, I think it's a problem now that, I mean, our generation, we've kind of created the problem <laughs> through the technology that's been developed, but it's the future generations who are going to be left dealing with it who mm-hmm. might not have the perspective that you have right now, right? So how do you, how do you see, for example, your kids when they're 18, how do you see them using social media in a healthy way? Gosh, I hope they don't discover it. (laughs) Like, I don't even know if they understand really what we do. You know, like even when we're filming them, it's so like they're eating breakfast and all you need is a few seconds of them interacting. And that's like. So they wouldn't realize that, you know, some of this content is, you know, get going around the world and people are commenting and liking. and Yeah, they don't have a clue. I mean, they're they're noticing more people, strangers come and say hi and talk and, you know, want to know you and they know their name and they say, how do they know my name? I'm like, oh, like they saw you make a smoothie one day, (laughs) you know, but they don't really know. They're just like, how do you know that person? Like, oh, it's just a nice person that wanted to say hi. I don't think they need to know much about social media. They're like 10 and five. Yeah. So do they, they don't use gadgets and things at home or what do you have? household rules around gadgets and TVs and things like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like so directed to behavior in my, from my experience. It's just, they're happier kids if it's not 
something that they're wanting to do all the time or think that they can do all the time. Kids here are really active naturally, I think, but any kid can get addicted to electronics and it just changes the behavior and yeah. And so I mean, and, and social media, like you said, you hope they don't discover it. Like it would be incredibly easy for someone who now who's very impressionable, mm-hmm. like all kids, right, to compare themselves to other people on social media mm-hmm. and then almost just start to like live someone else's life rather than discover their own uniqueness and, yeah, you know, their own sort of creativity. Yeah, I worry about that a lot. So I didn't really get into social media until I was like 29. And so like the whole, even high school of like, who's hanging out with who and what boy likes who and, yeah. oh, they didn't invite me and yeah, I can um, see it, you it, know? She's dating him and he does this. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I should do that. Like, Yeah, it'd be so hard. It'd be so hard. And like, I'm grateful that I didn't have it because I feel like it could totally mess with your head. and. Even just like body image, like I grew up with five brothers, like everything went over my head as far as like what's like, you know, standards and all these things that play into like your mind as it's growing, you know? So I feel like I was really lucky not to have this, these impressions that followed you everywhere. You know, like if you're at school and you're bullied, once you leave school, it's it's done. Now it can follow you until you fall asleep at night. If you open social media and that's a real thing. And, you know, I think like the longer a kid is, hopefully they're just super into like sports and friends and busy that they won't have time for it. You know, just like girls, I hope they don't discover girls until they're like 20, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So I guess in terms of those boundaries and parenting the the boys like if they do want to do they ever come and and they want to watch more tv or Mm -hmm. play with some gadget more than you'd like them how do you approach that so they're allowed to use it once in a while for sure but if it's becoming something that they're like expecting or you know waking up and like wanting to do then we just you know it's you almost have to like detox it the, really they just have like a few learning games and like this surfing game and the skating game that's all that is on their little like thing game console yeah and like for a while you know they get into the habit of wake up and no one's up yet and they start playing it and so it's like no like you're not starting the day with this, go outside and skate or go outside or do whatever, you know? So if it's out of sight, out of mind, then they forget about it. And sometimes if kids are like addicted to it or use, are used to using it, it's going to take a few days of the whining and asking for it and claiming their board before they start like finding different things to do and they start getting creative and that's like one thing that I worry about is like you can look up anything you can get an answer to anything by like asking Siri you know and so it's like if that's taking away from them discovering themselves or learning how to like play themselves then their development is is being cheated a little bit yeah because I mean all these things you're talking about it's like solving a problem Mm-hmm. There's actually solving a problem and then there's just Googling to, to find the answer. Yeah, which can be helpful. I mean, my husband built a skate ramp in her backyard using YouTube and 
you know, is yeah. like fixed everything in her house because of YouTube. Like it's awesome for that sense. But like for a kid who's like, I want to watch this instead of actually do this. Like that's a problem, you know? And like, especially traveling, like it'd be so easy to throw an iPad in front of them as we're waiting or terminal or, you know, you're driving in the car, like here's an iPad. Like for me, those are all the moments that you like learn how to like entertain yourself or have conversation with the people around you. And so it's like, those are the moments that are the most like relationship building personality and character building that I, I just don't want to take away from it. And I feel like an iPad does that. It's easier for sure. And sometimes it's like, very tempting, you know? And as like, sometimes in my pregnancy where I've been like so tired, it's like very tempting to be like, just take the iPad so I can lay down, you know, which is once in a while is fine, but definitely keeping it a novelty item. One thing that helped my kids like stop thinking, you know, asking is like, just saying like, if it rains, you can ask. If it's not raining, don't ask. Like, (laughs) don't even ask, you know? (laughs) So. Do you and, and, and Shem ever, I guess, talk about your parenting and how's it going or if you perhaps made a mistake in the way that you handled something? I mean, like none of us are, are just, we don't go to school to learn how to be a parent. Yeah, I'm guessing yeah. you kind of learn on the fly. Like have For there sure. been times where you've gone, ah, oh, we maybe should have handled that differently? Yeah, for sure. 100%. I think that's like the whole challenge of marriage is like figuring out how to do life together. Right. And especially if you're both bold personalities, like you're going to have some clashes of opinions. And especially when it's something that matters, like your kids, then those are real topics that like passion comes out in for sure. (laughs) But yeah, we've like, we've been married 12 years, so we've had time to figure things out. I think that if I'm listening to him and he's listening to me, like we can always find like a middle ground. That's just one thing I think we've both learned is don't be defensive against each other and just really like give each other a chance and like talk things out. And a lot of times like I'll change my opinion or he'll change his opinion, you know, but come around. Yeah. Yeah. And find like a middle ground and realize what's important to each of you and everything. But yeah, our background as far as parenting is pretty different like styles. So there definitely was like a compromise. What was Shem's like family like in his, his life, like I guess as a child growing up? Well, his dad's someone. And so like culturally, it's just a lot more strict. What's his dad love to say? Like, just say yes, dad, you know, whereas my parents were more like, oh, what's the word? You know, just like talk you through and kind of give you options and like these are a little more inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. And so his is just, yeah, more strict and maybe mine is more, just more the kid is involved in like the process of decision sometimes. And so I thought he was being too harsh. He thought I was being too soft. And so we've kind of come into like a middle there. In terms of his, his role with the boys, like what are some of the, he seems like he's pretty active with them. Like what are some of the things that you you love about him as a father and like some of his really important tasks that might be different, I guess, to yours as a mother. Oh my gosh. You shouldn't ask me this. I'm going to start crying. (laughs) (laughs) He's, he's a really good dad. Like he really like loves his kids and 
Oh man, you can't ask pregnant people like <laughs> like personal questions. But yeah, Shem's amazing. Like he uh when he was working a lot, he didn't really realize what he was missing out on. And he was so focused on like making like what he thought he needed to work and everything. And there wasn't a balance in our life. And now it's like he he has such an effect on the kids and they love him. And yeah, he's he makes time for them and he listens to them. And he's just like a kid himself, you know, which is like so awesome. Keeps us young, you know. So luckily we all like similar things like surfing and like the outdoors and all that kind of stuff. So we've become, because we work together and do everything together now, it's like, we're like, so on the same team as far as parenting. And he helps out with everything that I used to do by myself and plus working, you know, like, it's not like I cook, he cleans or anything like that. We're just kind of, I mean, we live in a one bedroom place too. It's tiny. So we're just like constantly together and learn how to function like on top of each other kind of thing. And so we just kind of like split up life really equally in all aspects of it right now, for sure. <laughs> and the, like the, the kids, the, the boys, do they, do they ever talk? I mean, they are very young, so it might be a little early, but do they ever talk about what their you know aspirations or goals or dreams are like with you? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, what are they? What are they into? They're super into surfing, and they would love to be a pro surfer. And my actually just the other day, my uh, son Tomo was like, "You have such a cool job." Like he knows that my and I was like, "Really?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "You get to like make healthy food and like." take pictures and like, it makes people happy. Like, that's so cool. I'm like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I, he's like, I want to do some, I want to do something. Like, I just, I don't know what I want to do, but I want it to be like something I'm active and I'm not sitting somewhere. Like I want to be like into it and I really want to like it. I don't know what it is yet. If it's not surfing, like, of course, like John, John is their biggest (laughs) idol ever. John, John. I think he's, he's an idol for millions of kids out there, right? (laughs) Totally. And he's a good example. He's such a good guy. And so they're really like, they're really into surfing right now. And so that's obviously like the child dream of being a pro surfer for sure. But particularly up here on the North Shore, right? Oh, yeah. Kids are just like so into it, which is awesome, you know, because being in the water and in nature is awesome. And do they go out with friends or is it a bit, are they a bit too young or they go out by themselves? Thomas getting to that age where he can, like, he can paddle out on his own and he's totally fine. Like, he's like, he's really good, but we're always at the beach with him. He doesn't go to the beach by himself. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's the North Shore. It's like pretty full on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this morning, and I think it was like it was eight. I think it was about eight foot this morning, but it was it was pumping. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What kind of men would you like to see them grow up into? I just hope they're kind more than anything. You know, like kind and respectful, like and happy. I don't think really anything else matters. I hope that they know that following their dreams and passions is going to lead them on a path that they're happy with and probably going to bring them more success than anything else. 
like in every aspect of life. You know, I don't think there's a dollar amount that can define someone as successful. Like life as a success is being happy in every aspect. I hope that they find that for themselves. And I hope that I'm, you know, instilling love and teaching them how to be loving and kind and to follow your dreams and work hard and all that kind of stuff. Like, I really hope that that's very real to them. Yeah. And I can see that. And I think, I mean, you spoke about it at the start that your, your dad, when you had your dream and vision of coming to Hawaii and he supported you through that Mm -hmm. and, you know, you knew that it obviously meant the world to you to make it happen. And, and I guess for you to have gone through that experience, now you stand in your dad's shoes. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. And it's funny because my dad said when he decided that we we had enough air miles to get to Hawaii. That was like why we went. I was like, please, Hawaii. You know, and it's Y2K. Like we're the only ones on the plane. Like, <laughs> it worked for us to go. And he he's told me after, he's like, you know, for me as a father, it was a risk to take you there because I knew how much you would like it. And I knew that I could be like, losing a daughter in a sense, <laughs> like, you know, when I got mm. older. Do you ever think about that? Like if you didn't go on that family trip, like where your life would be now? Yeah. I feel like following like intuition is such an important part of life because you just don't know what path you're supposed to really be on. Like, I don't think you are smarter than intuition, you know, like I couldn't have planned my life the way it unfolded. And it totally broke down barriers of like, things I thought I had opinions on. And I think finding your path is like letting go of what you think you know and feeling it is like a huge part to get where you actually want to go. So if that trip didn't happen, then it wouldn't have been meant to be. Whatever. Something else would have been if something. Be. Yeah. If some something else would have happened, but I just looking back on like the events of life and so many different aspects, it's all like, now I see why I did Things that. Things happen for a reason. This and this happened like this. Like, yeah. Does that give you perspective, I guess, for how things unfold, like in the present and just like letting things evolve? Yeah. I think that's like the only thing I fully trust is like believing in that notion that like there's this life plan for you and that if you follow your heart, not saying to like, you're irresponsible or like that nothing's going to take work, but to like make that a priority and like logics is to support that is like really important to live a life that's like going to unfold in like the most balanced way possible. Now, earlier you mentioned plastic mm-hmm. or um, waste. I'd like to jump into a couple of bigger sort of picture topics and we spoke about the fact that at the start, for a lot of people who are inspired to lead a plant-based lifestyle, let's say it starts from a health perspective, the more and, and more time they, they live in this lifestyle, they then start to look at animal agriculture or climate, or, you know, things like plastic. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the use, of, the use of plastic and I guess what it's doing to the environment? It became really real to me traveling to Indonesia. There was one year where we were there four times and it was just like so apparent at the like effect it was having on nature and 
Indonesia is the second largest plastic. Like plastic um, consumption or leaching into the ocean? Leaching into the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I mean, Indonesia, it's the fourth largest population in the world. People mm-hmm. think it's tiny, but it's, 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 it might be islands, but there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to see it was like, gosh, like what this is like happening. Were you in Bali or? Bali and the Mentwise. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense. Like it wasn't that long ago where they were only using like a banana leaf for like to carry their food and throw it in the ditch because that's natural. And now it's like all of a sudden it's plastic and you have the same habit of yeah. throwing it in the way. And they don't, the it's thing their is, fault. they don't understand. Like yeah. they've done experiments and had the locals ask them to pick up rubbish and some of them come back with tree branches and some of them come back holding plastic. Like right. they can't differentiate. So to your point, like yeah. it's just, they're just doing what they've always done, but now it's a different material in the hand. Yeah, exactly scene that was like, wow, like this is, this is really happening. You know, if you don't really see it, it was, you don't make the connection as fast, you know? And so, yeah, I think I just started watching and getting more educated on it and watching like some zero waste YouTubes and podcasts and all this types of things and just feeling like, okay, I'm going to start doing more conscious purchasing. The best that you can do. Yeah. Like, so I think the first thing I did was I said, I'm not going to buy single use food items anymore, like snacks, like granola bars and stuff like that. Like very rare will we purchase something that's like individually wrapped, you know, whereas before we might like buy a lot or, you know, using a reusable bag instead of even a paper bag in the store, like trying to much as possible to bring your own reusable bags and, you know, cutting out straws, like things like that, that just like one by one and just getting used to, just getting used to it. You know, I think it's hard to do it all overnight and that works Mm. for some people, but it's like little by little, I feel like you just become more conscious and then like plastic just has like a, you just don't want to do it anymore. Whereas before I didn't even notice it. Yeah, that's you know, I thought, so oh, true. Single use, that's convenient. Like, I love that. Period. <laughs> now it's like single use, that's a waste. I want to avoid it. Do they wrap a lot of the fruits and vegetables in plastic? Yeah. No. no. I mean, if you go to like Costco or you need to shop, if you're on a budget, like a lot of families shop at Costco for, you can buy a lot of local food, but it's going to come in like a plastic box of some sort. So you're buying bulk in plastic, but. I've seen it in Which different- Which is better than buying single in plastic. On, yeah, I've on seen the that on like yeah. online and stuff where it's like a banana wrapped in plastic or yeah. something. Yeah, 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 it is. When yeah. I was in New York, there was quite a few grocery stores that were doing that, wrapping like individual pieces of fruit and vegetables. Yeah, that's crazy. Luckily, I, see, I feel like there's more education on it than ever before. And, you know, the, just like the ban of straws and- plastic bags in stores and it's becoming cool instead of like being, you know, extreme, like it's becoming more norm. And I think it's just going to keep moving in that way. As long as people like you keep making podcasts and sharing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I did it. I, I, I've been looking into it quite a bit. And one of the things that I think is important for people to also be aware of is that you've seen like the green plastic that's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, 
it's, it is a step in the right direction. It definitely is. But the thing with, and I've looked right into a lot of them, is that they actually, they, they're, only, they're not compostable if you just like threw them into the backyard mm-hmm. or threw them into the ocean. They wouldn't mm-hmm. break down. Yeah. They would just act exactly like plastic. You know, a, a green straw would still potentially end up in a dolphin's stomach yeah. or whatnot. But they are compostable if they are taken to an industrial compost. Right. So I think it's important that people realize that even if you've got like green plastic, it doesn't mean that it can go on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think that's the same with like learning health. Like everything, like everything technically could claim healthy. You know, they've had put a picture of like a cow on a farm on butter and or margarine and you think, oh, it's wholesome. Mm, some marketing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's like if they can find a way to make people feel okay with that, it just like you forget to use your educated brain. <laughs> like yeah. actually it's still plastic, you know. That's a good point. <laughs> now, beauty, like cosmetics, sunscreen. I know that you've you've spoken a little bit about a few sort of do-it-yourself type cosmetic formulas that you make. What are some mm-hmm. of your favorite ones? And and do you use like do you use all vegan cosmetics or what kind of cosmetics do you use? Yeah, I'm not like the best person to ask about cosmetics because I don't wear a whole lot. But I know there's a lot out there. Like if you wear a lot of makeup in a while, it'll just melt off your face. Yeah, so <laughs> can imagine. So I'm not like an expert, but as far as like keeping your skin clean and healthy and like for me, like hydrated and protected, some natural things that I really like are witch hazel, which is you can use as like a toner for your skin. This is like the beauty stuff you're talking about. Rosehip oil is really good. Like coconut oil and jojoba and those oils are good. But if you read into it, Rose hip will actually go into the cell, whereas the coconut and like jojoba will go around the cell. So it's more, I guess it's just like it's more healing more and high penetrating, yeah. More penetrating. And yeah, so wow. that's cool. It's amazing. There's this coconut oil called Minoy oil, which comes from Tahiti, which is like a higher grade of coconut oil that like has been used for hundreds of years with like royalty for their hair and massaging their babies and everything like that. And you can actually buy it at Walmart here, but it's like really good. I really like that for like my body and let's see rosehip, which hazel and like coconut oil or jojoba vitamin C oil for like under your eyes at night is good to like repair your skin. And then, yeah, I know some people don't believe in sunscreen, but if you're out surfing and you're in direct sun, like I've noticed a big difference in wearing like. A- and the boys wear it as well. They do. They yeah. mostly wear like jackets when they surf, but on their face, they use zinc. We mentioned animal agriculture a little bit before when we were talking about it, mm-hmm. but is, is it something that you have given more thought over the years? Like have you watched a few more documentaries and where do you sit on the whole animal agriculture and I guess the the current food system that is fueling most people. I wouldn't stick to veganism if it was just for my own benefit. Like it was learning about the effects on the animals and the environment that made it like, this is beyond me and how I feel. And this is a way of life that I want to support for not just me, but 
the entire world that I live in. And it's something I felt good about once I understood the process that went into these different products. And so it's, it's really important. It was something that I was kind of like put off learning more about, you know, some of it's kind of gruesome and, you know, it's uncomfortable at first, but the more I learned about it and just became like, this is just like the reality. Cause I think that's like really important for people to just know, like, just be aware and then make your own decision. Like, I'm not going to judge you if you decide what you want to decide, but just like, just be aware, you know, and then decide from there. Sometimes that doesn't happen overnight for people. And, but you never know, like when they're ready to hear and like, listen to it. And so, um, it didn't, doesn't take much to like turn it once you like realize what's going on and that sticks with you and you don't really view or crave things that you might've before because of that. And if it wasn't because of that, I probably would still crave or once in a while do whatever. Yeah. It takes away that temptation. Yeah. Like before like meat or like chicken or eggs, like it looked satisfying. Now it doesn't at all. Like it seems kind of like, Oh, dead. I don't know like how to explain it. It's just like, I don't want to, I don't want to support that. Like I know how that got there. It's just takes away the desire for sure. And you mentioned before that the, I guess the angle with the, the boys in terms of why you change their, their foods was more around the health aspect at this stage. But do you envisage that they, there'll be a time where you will explain to them how animal products end up on in grocery stores and whatnot? Like, is, is that something that you think? Oh yeah, they know. They know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They've never seen like, like the, some of the videos yeah, like that what's are the, out there. What's, what's the, the, how did you sort of deliver that to them? You know, knowing, cause it can be quite confrontational, right? Mm. You know, watching those documentaries and whatnot. So how, mm. how did you sort of educate them on what is happening? Um, just over time. Like, I feel like because they're so involved in like the food process and like even growing food or just like, I really, you know, make an effort for them to be involved in it. And so they're just really curious. And so they'll ask questions. And so like right now, my five-year-old is asking questions a thousand times a day of where'd this come from? Is this healthy for you? Like, where did this come from? What animal is this? Like, whether it's about food or anything, it's like they, they're creating their own scenarios now because they're interested. Have an appetite for knowledge for yeah, knowledge. Yeah, for sure. And like you make the kitchen a fun place for them and you know, like do different recipes with them or let them experiment with their own recipes and take them shopping or to the farmer's market. And it just creates natural conversation. And so I've never like set them aside and been like, you know, taught them something. It's more so just through like living and seizing an opportunity to tell them and educate them. Not like a gruesome way, but just, just to let them know. And that's why they know, you know, like why I don't. And then they start deciding for themselves. Okay. So finally, in summary, for any parents who are listening, who want to raise really conscious, mindful, respectful, caring kids that have like a really great passion for living, what are some of your take-home tips? My biggest take-home tip would be that they're watching you 
and they are sponges. And this is such a good time of life for them to be learning and to learning from example. And so if you want them to be a certain way, like embody that yourself and they're going to pick up on that, whether you're meaning to or not, and just create a family dynamic that you want them to embody. And that's what they're going to embody. If you're taking them outside and playing with them and taking them on hikes, even if they reject it at first, because they're not used to it, maybe at this stage, like they will learn to love it. It just, it just takes time. And to, you know, if a kid's claiming he's bored or she's bored, like just don't get frustrated and know that like things don't happen overnight. And eventually whatever you're doing, and that's like your standard of what you're doing is going to become what they love and what they remember. And they're only young for such a short time. And so everything else in life, money, career, like everything else, like just for me, it's, it's creating that balance of what is important to you and don't live with a regret in the end of, I wish I spent more time with my kid. Like give them the time, like they're love you and they want your time and keep them involved and keep them in the kitchen and let them help you with the groceries and just like, you know, treat them like your friends. Like for me, like our kids are our best friends. Like they're epic. They're so funny. And like, we just try to enjoy them as much as possible. And I think that they feel that and they feel that love and you know, you get down on their level, even if you're working all day, like if you come home, like I know my dad, he was gone most of the day, but he would get down and he would listen and like play with us on the floor. And even if he had 20 minutes that day, like that meant the world as a kid. And so I know that how it affected me as growing up. And so I'm hoping that, well, I can see it in my own kids. Like they're so affected by like just you paying attention to them. And that's all they need. Like they don't need any toys or to be bought or like given games and stuff. Like in the end, that doesn't really mean anything. It's just really your relationship with them and how you look at them and, you know, acknowledging them as like cool humans, (laughs) you know? So I think just like enjoy your kids as much as you can and keep them involved and just let them, you know, an example to them so they know what to emulate and it'll come naturally really beautifully put yeah (laughs) thank you so much for joining me on the show today there's there's so much we could talk about when it comes to parenting and (laughs) you're you're certainly doing amazing things online and inspiring so many people but you're you're doing an even better job by the sounds of it at home as a (laughs) mom and I, i love the balance that you have managed to build in your lifestyle, despite having such a huge demanding social media presence, you know, I can, I can understand how demanding that would be on your life. So well done on navigating your way through <laughs> that. And yeah, I look forward to hopefully having you back on the show in the, in the future. And we can talk about um, your third child and, and <laughs> anything else that, that transpires between now and then. But if people would like to connect with you, how, where's the best place for them to, to find you, whether it's on social media or a website? Yeah. Instagram is my most active place, Earthy Andy. And then my website, if, which has all been approved by a doctor for any like health claims, if you're looking for 
know, recipes or looking for health tips to, you know, if you're trying to create a more natural plant-based lifestyle, then there's a lot of tips and, you know, support to help you get started there for sure. But I'll yeah. put both in the show notes for people to get sure. a click through. And find. <laughs> yeah. um, last question. While I'm here on the North Shore, where would you recommend I go for dinner? For dinner? Yeah. Uh, mm, dinner. I heard a place called the Beatbox Cafe was good, mm-hmm. but I think it closes in the afternoon. Yeah. There's on the North Shore for dinner. Gosh, it's like not that There's many a lot of trucks, places. food trucks though, right? Yeah. A lot of places close before dinner. Sorry, I wish I would just like gave you an answer. <laughs> I could give you a hundred lunchtime. Okay, give, us, give, give me some lunchtime options. Okay, um, the Pupake Grill does a lot of variety of good food that they'll happily make vegan for you by simply mo- removing the cheese or something. Yeah, yeah, cool. It's on it. Beatbox Cafe has a lot of options. The Cosmic Cafe, which is inside Celestial Foods, is this little hole in the wall grab and go, all vegan. Is really okay. good. A fancier option is Bonsai Sushi, which is open for dinner. There's not a lot of vegan options, but you can definitely get like some good avocado rolls and edamame and, you know, miso soup kind of thing. The, oh, okay, two more. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> VLAN Tacos. They do this purple haze bowl, which is sweet potato, like Okinawan yeah. potato tacos, or you can get it in a bowl. Oh, I love, I love sweet potato. Yeah. VLAN tacos is good. You should okay. definitely go there. And then uh, the elephant Thai, unless they moved, I think they might've moved recently now that I think of it, okay. but they used to have like the best Thai food and like lots of vegan options. I'll, I'll look them up. <laughs> I, I usually use the happy cow app. You, you do. That? Yeah. That? It's pretty good because sure. you travel a bit. It's pretty good if you're somewhere that you're not familiar with. Oh, fully. And if you are like here longer or want to make some planning, like there's a lady, Susan Pryor, who does cooking. Like she'll do cooking a lot for the pro surfers and stuff when they come, like bring meals to your house oh, or really? just people in the community. Susan. Like, okay. Yeah. Susan's awesome. And she has a friend who does joy jars, which are like, chia pudding type like power snacks and yeah the sunrise shack has got like some options yeah, for yeah, you. yeah. that's where i had one of my acai bowls one, yeah. one of my three <laughs> hollyvables i mean you have to go to hollyvables where's that it, hollyvables yeah in hollyva okay it's definitely the best is, is that near the mcdonald's i swear there was a mcdonald's no. that was like the most green natural looking mcdonald's i've ever seen <laughs> like the architecture Such a compliment yeah. to them <laughs> <laughs> I had to double take. It's like this McDonald's that doesn't look like a McDonald's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Just yesterday we passed a McDonald's and I was like, gosh, I'm like wanting fries. Like this in my pregnancy lately, I've been wanting like the smell of when we pass McDonald's actually smells good for like the first time ever. And my youngest was like, have I been to McDonald's before? <laughs> like he didn't know. That's cool. I'm like, I don't know. Not with us. <laughs> uh, wow. What an effort at nine months pregnant that was. So, so much raw, genuine information, insight into how Andy raises her family, what's important to her, how she balances her time on and off social media. If you enjoyed hearing about 
Andy's story, please share your feedback on social media. Tag her and myself. I'll share it at my end. I'm sure Andy would love to see your feedback. I look forward to connecting with all of you in the next episode. Until then, may your days be full of delicious plants and good vibes. See you soon.